We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Norm Hightower with Little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro. We're here to preview this weekend's matchup with the New Orleans Saints. Our guest for tonight is the host of BS and Beer, uh, hashtag Saints, show on Fox Sports Radio 97.7 FM, the official podcast of the SaintsReport.com, David Romero. David, I'll start off with you. How are you doing today? Man, I am doing outstanding. Thank you for asking. How you fellas doing? Doing all right, man. We're glad to have you on here. I I hear there's a lot of injuries going on over there, maybe not necessarily with the Rams, but with your show, (laughs) I uh, I think we're much healthier on this end. Yeah, I'm hosting tonight because Derek's on the IR, not feeling too good tonight. And of course, I'm I'm sitting here with uh with a boot on from my torn Achilles, and you know, just doing the whole peg leg thing. But 
Steve, <laughs> you know, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Norm. I think uh, I think you had an injury after the game on Sunday. So uh, I, I this is my third Rams Talk Radio show this week. So the listeners, you guys are you guys are going to get a lot of me this week. Hope you're enjoying it. Well, you know, we like having you on, and you know, I got to go on your show, so it's all good, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so before we get started, just want to remind you that we're pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're everywhere. Don't forget, iebeatradio.com airs our show on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Oh, and about iTunes, thank you so much for getting us over the 100 five-star reviews. Whew, it's nice. finally got done. This contest was going on forever. Our winner is Jesse Sefuentes, otherwise known as at Darth Parallax on Twitter. He will receive a $75 gift certificate to NFLshop.com. So congratulations, Jesse. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners for the support. We really do appreciate it. Please don't feel like you have to uh, stop giving us reviews just because we reached the 100. We appreciate all the reviews and all the feedback. We just want to make uh, our show better. Hold up. $75. Uh, you told me you guys didn't have any money to pay me to come on the show. Now you toss around 75 bucks like it's nothing. Well, see, we bought that $75 like a year ago. The contest has been going on for so long. You know, what can we right. say? You're just collecting interest. That's right. <laughs> All right. I see. Well, David, let's get started off right off the bat. How are the Saints doing? I mean, we know how we are physically with our injury report. How are the Saints doing with injuries? You know, I mean, this is it feels like the first year in a long time where the Saints have been really fortunate with injuries. We haven't had any major setbacks other than uh, in the offseason. Patrick Robinson was one of our big offseason acquisitions, uh, and he was he was slated to be that slot corner. And uh, unfortunately, he went out against Atlanta and uh, what is that game three, maybe with uh, with a, a broken ankle. So we have struggled in that area a little bit. P.J. Williams, the irony in it, P.J. Williams stepped in in his place. He this past week, he got the uh, the player of the week, but it was coming on the, the heels of giving up uh, six catches for 104 yards and bang, basically being targeted on just about every pass. But. He came across with an interception return for a touchdown and was part of a huge fumble recovery and return uh, that got the Saints back in. I wouldn't say back in the game, but uh, basically gave him a big lift right before halftime. So those two huge plays put him in, in a good position. One of the other issues that's just popping up today is our first-round draft pick, uh, Marcus Davenport. Uh, he's a guy that we gave up two first-round draft picks for, and, uh, and he's been playing really well. Four sacks. He had his first multiple sack game this past week. Uh, two big plays. He, if it wouldn't have been for a review overturn, he would have had a sack, strip, fumble, fumble recovery. You know, just the the hat trick of of, uh, of sacks. Uh, but it was uh, they overturned it and, and the knee was down, so he didn't get it. But on that play, I guess he hurt his big toe. So now reports are that he may be out for as much as four weeks but then we also heard reports that he said he still plans on playing on Sunday and that might just be the player trying to you know say hey I'm gonna play and 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 the doctors might sit him down so that's still up in the air but so far I would say generally speaking other than your normal bumps and bruises those are the two major things that we're keeping an eye on right now and and other than that I would say that we've been pretty fortunate uh, with injuries now uh, i'd be interested in hearing you guys uh, give me an update on your your status of your injury reports for the rams well i think the big one for us has been cooper cup who 
what did he get injured like three weeks ago, Norm? About I think he's missed yeah. two or three games. Um, and obviously earlier in the season, both Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib are you know like you guys are two big two of our big offseason acquisitions are starting cornerbacks. They went down in the same game. Luckily, Peters missed no time, but I think all the Rams fans can agree. He hasn't really been the same since that injury. He's not hasn't been, for the most part, the lockdown cornerback that we expected. And in the case of Akeem Talib, we won't have him back until at least week 13 against the Lions after our bye week. So this, for us, I mean, this game and the game against the Chiefs are, are probably going to be our biggest tests in terms of this secondary because last week Aaron Rodgers he he him and Devonte Adams cooked us a little bit. Yeah, we seem to be having issues with uh, with pass defense, but overall, I mean, we're not eight zero because we're horrible at it. But injury wise, has certainly affected us in the secondary. Peters is not a hundred percent. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, definitely hurting us there. Talib being gone is a huge loss for us. And depending on who shows up at New Orleans, you know, whether it's Troy Hill number one or Troy Hill number two, I guess we'll figure out how he's going to play because he's been kind of, uh, you know, hit and miss for us. But otherwise, I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, Not as well as last year when it comes to injuries, but this year we're definitely doing okay considering, you know, all the road games we've played and, and, and the competition that we faced. Well, it sounds like based on what you guys are saying about your defensive backfield, some of the issues the Saints are having in a defensive backfield, and not necessarily due to injury, because even even uh, our our uh, rookie of the year uh, Lattimore and uh, Ken Crawley was just sat down as we traded for Eli Apple from the uh, from the Giants. Yep. Um, we have struggled a little bit in pass defense. Uh, Lattimore, as I mentioned, not really playing to the same level he played last year, uh, although not playing poorly just you know he last year he was shut down this year uh, teams are still going after him a little bit and between our, our slot issues and our cornerback issues uh, uh, across from Lattimore uh, if you guys and what I'm hearing from you and what I've you know researched and found I mean it looks like both teams might be susceptible to the pass and this could be a high scoring game oh I have no doubt that this is going to be a shootout just because of the fact that I mean, you guys are leading the league in, in defensive rushing yards allowed at only 74.1 per game. The Rams are leading the league in rushing, you know, I think putting up 150-something yards per game. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But one thing I did notice is the Saints are 23rd overall in total defense, and obviously that has to be because of their pass defense. And we're certainly not that great in our secondary right now. So I have a feeling that it's going to be the, the Goff and, and Drew Brees show. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams put up over 40 this weekend. Now, I'll give you a little bit of insight. We basically got torched in week one and week two. And so I think the Saints defense has steadily improved. And I think that ranking that you mentioned, number 23, might not necessarily be indicative of how they're playing now. And I think that's kind of, you know, like they say, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And I think that the Saints, and I'm not suggesting that they're a top 10 defense, but I think if, uh, you know, we've looked at different things, and if you take out those first two games and just replace it with our average, we're we're more like a probably a middle of the road, 15, 16, something around there. So the defense has played better, um, and they just seem to have gelled. 
and and they are playing better. But I, I still won't uh, take back what I said earlier about their inability to consistently stop the passing game. And now some might say, and I've heard this argument. Well, if, you know, you're going to look good stopping the run if teams could just easily pass on you. But that hasn't been the, the, the case. The Saints have been rock solid against the run against some teams who like like uh, the Ravens, uh, Minnesota teams who went out and, and really tried to establish the run and simply couldn't do it. David, I got to say, I was shocked when I was looking at the Saints numbers the other uh, actually last night when I was doing my podcast and. The only 100-yard rushing performance they've given up was against Tampa Bay. Like, they, you guys have played all these good defenses, and somehow Tampa Bay, you know, maybe one of the worst rushing attacks in the league is the only one that was able to break through a little bit. Man, I, I tell you, you go through the offseason with these high expectations. You think, man, this team is a Super Bowl-bound team, and then week one comes, and not only do uh, do do does Tampa Bay come to town, they come to town with a backup quarterback in Fitztragic, and you're expecting to just have an easy walkthrough game, kind of dress rehearsal before the real season starts, and they just put it on you. So there were things in that game that we haven't seen since. So we obviously corrected some things, uh, got things on track. But no, that was that was. I mean, it was an embarrassment. And the way they did it, it wasn't fluke. It wasn't one of those games where you know the, the guys are uh, you know a, a punt return for a touchdown and a fumble recovery for a touch. They they just simply outplayed the Saints. And I don't know if. The young defense that we fielded went into the season with a little bit more. Um, they thought they were a little bit better than they were. Read too many press clippings. Uh, the team just simply wasn't ready to play that day. Well, you guys have got Mark Ingram back now, too. How has that changed your offense, having him you know, back? It, having Mark Ingram back, sometimes you don't appreciate it because he's in the last year of his contract. And I think many Saints fans, Saints followers are like, hey, you know, we we have a guy like Kamara we don't need to pay the money for Ingram. And when he comes back, you, you, you kind of sensed it when he was gone, that there was just an element missing from that offense, that, that power run game, the guy that runs between the tackles, gets the dirty yards. Um, and when he came back, that element came back with him. And so now I'm starting to realize more than I have in the past, I've always appreciated him, but you just maybe not as much as he's not. I didn't realize it as much as what he provided for the team. Uh, it's been a huge difference. Mark Ingram, is is an integral part of the Saints offense if you're talking about bringing it to that top level. Well, I think when we faced you guys last year, the Rams really did a great job of containing basically everybody in the offense except Alvin Kamara, who looking at his right. numbers, that was that was probably his best game of the season came against us. 188 total yards, two touchdowns. I mean, uh, I mentioned this on the show last night. I believe the rest of the Saints offense combined had like 128 total yards compared to his 188. I mean, would right. you yeah, would you expect that to be the well that they kind of go back to in this game against us considering and, and how it, poor we it, did? It very well could be. Uh, and and the way he played when Ingram was out, uh, they they there was talk in the offseason, okay, the Saints are going to have to find a second running back, you know, to take some of the cuz he's not a small guy. He's about 215 pounds, but he's not a huge guy. And you really don't want him taking the pounding of that, you know, the the third down rushing and short yardage goal line. But he was basically doing it all because the Saints didn't have anyone else. So once now that Mark Ingram has come back, if you can just look at uh, Kamara's statistics and see that he's getting less touches. Uh, and now he might be more productive with the with the lower number of touches. But the fact of the matter is he's not having the the big numbers. He's not getting the the 160 yards total offense that he was in the first four games. 
So what they do against the Rams, that'll be interesting to see come Sunday. Having said that, I wouldn't expect it just because now also with the the advent of Taysom Hill as a read option quarterback in the Saints system, there's just simply not enough touches to go around for Kamara to, you know, to be fed the ball 15 to 20 times. So it'll be interesting and it, it'll kind of be a hot hand kind of thing because if Mark Ingram's doing well, you'll see Sean Payton will continue to give the ball to the guy that's being productive. Well, I, I believe that, you know, our our teams have two of the best offensive minds in football right now. And I you know, this will be the the Sean show, as everybody's been saying. And now, you know, I've been watching. I, I actually am right now. I've got it streaming. I've been watching the the Vikings New Orleans game from last week, and uh, the Taysom Hill experiment. Is that something? Do you see him as the replacement for Drew Brees later on, or is it this just an experiment to see you know what he can do, or what, what what's your thoughts on it? Here's the thing: unless something drastic happens, and maybe in the off season or whatever, Taysom Hill is not the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Um, he, he, they have found a niche for him early in the season. We thought it was just kind of a gimmicky thing that, you know, it was like, everyone's like, Holy crap. That did you realize that was Taysom Hill that just came in the game. I mean, the idea of taking drew Brees off of the field or uh, out from under center at any point seems a bit ridiculous. And so we did a read option. We got a first down, then maybe he got two other carries and early in the season, the first two or three games, he's only getting about, you know, let's just say three or four uh, touches a game. He wasn't giving the ball away. He was. He said, "Look, I am. I am carrying the rock." So there was no option in the read option. He was taking the ball, but he was being effective. As he continues to be effective, they've built a package and keep building on that package. Now we're what seven games into it. Taysom Hill's an integral part of the offense. Now it's expected. Last week he threw his first pass. Well, that's not true. He actually threw a pass that should have been a touchdown. It went off of uh, Kamara's hands. And uh, yeah, it would have been a little bit of a stretch, a nice catch, but he should have caught it. And and so Hill, this past week against the Viking, Vikings, throws, uh, I think it was like 44-yard pass to uh, to one of the Saints receivers. And so now a whole nother wrinkle goes into that read option. So, again, he's only getting, as far as quarterback play, maybe four touches a game. But now he's being implemented into the offense. He's gotten carries as a running back, straight-up eye offense running back. Uh, not necessarily with a fullback in front of him and and running a power game, but they're running a little misdirection pitch against the against the Ravens. He ran a pitch for got 12 yards in the first down. Uh, he's caught a few balls, so he is being incorporated into the offense as a multi-purpose. He's getting touches at tight or not touches, but plays at tight end, receiver, running back. The guy is now a part. It's no longer a gimmick. It's a part of the Saints' offense. Yeah, he played 34 percent of the snaps last week, so. For for a guy like that, that is that is pretty wild. How much he's getting integrated in? From what I've seen, how well he's doing, it's pretty crazy. I, I do want to ask you, David. For us, I think this is probably the most important game for us this season because we're kind of running away with our division. I I cannot imagine Seattle catching us. And this game, if we can get a win here, it will give us a nice little cushion on the number one overall seed. In the conference, I, obviously we have a big matchup coming up with Kansas City too, but that you know the implications aren't as big seeing as they're in a different conference. Do you consider this to be the most important game of the season for the Saints, or do you think it'll be one of those divisional matches against probably the Panthers later on down the line? 
Well, and, and that's a good question, and you already brought up the, the team would be the Panthers. At this point, the Saints are playing very well. You take away the win or the loss against uh, Tampa Bay. The Saints, you know, haven't lost since. Having said that, every time, every week, we look, and there's uh, Carolina right on our heels. So uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how many game lead you guys have in your division, but right now, as much as I would like to say, and, I, you know, again, I'm speaking for Saints Nation. I can't speak for everyone how I feel about it. As much as I'd like to say, man, this game is super important and we have to, I kind of look at it right now as I would, I would say the Rams are the, are the toast of the NFL. They're the best team, in my opinion, in the NFL right now. I think the Saints will find out a lot, but the way they've been playing, I think they're right there. I think, uh, I think they have a chance uh, to be that team. Having said that, if I had to say which game is more important, is we're going to have to beat the Carolina Panthers, and more than likely we may have to beat them twice again. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough matchup for you guys because the same, you know, you guys are playing well, but Carolina is also playing well. So it's going to be, it, those are going to be intricate games for you guys, no doubt about it. Right now, we're sitting with a four-game lead over the Seahawks, and we've got you know one matchup head-to-head with them so far where we won the game. So at this point, we're sitting pretty in the division. You guys are certainly you got them right on your heels at five and two. So that's going to be tough, but I, I kind of see this as being a preview to the NFC Championship game. To be honest, do you do you want to look that far ahead, or or do you feel that you got to get through Carolina first? Hey, the Saint the Saints aren't paying me so far. We beat Carolina three times last year. While I would I would I would I, I'm not a guy. I don't believe in luck or fate or those things, but I believe in do. Sometimes you know you get up there, and if you're a 400 or a 300 hitter, you and and you haven't gotten a hit in 10 at bats. You're due. You're due. Sooner or later, you're going to get that hit, and that's what I worry about with Carolina. But in addition to Carolina, I mean, our schedule is brutal. We just got finished playing on the road, the Ravens, who, while I wouldn't necessarily say the Ravens are a you know, top 10 team in the league, uh, when you're talking about playing them at, home, at their place, I do believe they're one of the better teams in the league, maybe a top 10 you know, when you're talking about playing at home. Then play the Vikings. Now we're going to play you guys. Then we have to go to the Bengals, who've been playing well. Then we have to def- uh, play the defending world champs. And then we have our probably our biggest rival, although they're not playing extremely well, in the Falcons. So my point is, back to your original question about, is this the game? Absolutely. This is the game that, I mean, around Louisiana, everybody's talking about LSU, Alabama, and then the following day, the Rams and the Saints. Having said that, as soon as we get finished with you, there is no rest for the weary, and we're right back at it playing three more basically – playoff teams uh, we're kind of with you we we just went on a brutal road trip where we you know we went to denver and seattle and and now we're facing you guys and we had green bay at home last week and then we're i mean who do we have next steve seattle seattle and then down and then to Kansas mexico city, city and mexico yep. city so we're, we're we're understanding how brutal that schedule is <laughs> right and, and you guys have already had your bye week. We don't get ours until after Kansas City. So, you know, we've got to try to do everything we can to stay healthy. But early in the early in the year, before the season started, we had a prediction show, you know, where we thought the Rams would finish in the year. And I actually picked them to go 15-1. and one, mm-hmm. And the one was New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I, I know how tough it is to play in New Orleans. That is a brutal place to go and play on the road. And I figured if the Rams are going to, of course, I didn't know how good KC was going to be at that point, but sure, uh, I really saw that if they're going to lose a game, it was going to be this game coming up on Sunday, just because it's a tough place to play and the Saints are a dang good team. And 
you know, it's it's such a tough matchup for both of us. And right now is the time where you're kind of you're kind of going to see what the identity of your team is. We're eight and zero, and that's all great and fine. But there's still eight games left. Well, okay, Steve, Norm, this this game. First of all, I feel like the Saints need it more. Now, what bearing that has on whether they win or lose, I don't know. Because truly, truly, I think that right off the bat. <clears throat> playing in the Superdome in this type of atmosphere, it's going to be a playoff type. The Saints do perform well historically in this situation. Having said that, I, I, this is one of those games where there's just no way that I can look at any part of your roster and say, listen, if we just do this, we're going to win. Because I can also look at, at your roster and say, like, for instance, if Drew Brees comes out and the Saints start taking advantage of uh, some deficiency in, in pass coverage, the same opportunity is there for the Rams. So uh, to me, this is going to be a game, and I know this is so cliche, but who's the guy that turns over the ball? Who's the one that, you know, fumbles the ball or interception? or, or and It's just going to boil down to who gets the ball, kicks the field goal to go ahead, or scores a touchdown to go ahead, but there's a minute and 22 seconds left on the clock, and that team's going to – all they have to do is get down the field, kick a field goal, and win the game, and that's going to be the team who wins. It's going to be the team that – somehow or another gets that last opportunity to score when both defenses are tired, when everything is on the line, and you have either your offense or Drew Brees and the Saints offense on the field, that team is going to be the one to win the game. It, it just seems to me there's no way I can justify in my head that uh, the Saints will be able to do this consistently and win the game. And, I, and, and, I, and as a follower of the team, that's what I generally do is say, man, they can't stop this. We are better in this position. We are better as a group in, in this area. And I just simply can't do that. And I just think it's a very closely uh, content. Like each team is just so close. It's just going to be a matter of who makes the least amount of mistakes and who gets the ball last. And I think that's reasonable because we kind of saw that last week firsthand in our game where nobody turned the ball over the entire game, I believe. And then the Packers fumbled on the kickoff with about two minutes left and Aaron Rodgers took the ball back and the Rams won. So uh, as as cliche as it might sound, we literally just had that experience last week, and I think, honestly, I'd be you know, tend to agree with you on that because of how close these two teams are. You know, even though you guys have the one loss, this is, this is not the same Saints team that played Tampa Bay that week. There's there's no exactly. doubt about that. Exactly. Well, and you guys are you guys are getting ready to face you know our four headed monster with you know Brandon Cooks, who you guys are very familiar with, yep. Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, because I think Cup's going to play, and then Todd Gurley. And then on our defense, Aaron Donald is coming into form. Uh, right now he's leading the, the league in sacks, and if he gets one sack this game, I think he beats his last year's season total. So mm-hmm. he's he's obviously on fire. You got Sue in the middle. I mean, really there's only five starters on our defense uh, that were there last year when we played you guys. So saying all that, who do we need to watch out for? I mean, obviously Kamara is one that we're going to have to watch out for and Ingram and Drew Brees, but who, who's, who's the X factor for the saints that we better keep an eye on? Well, I think that the saints have been pretty much going, you know, Michael Thomas has been extremely productive. Uh, saints fans are clamoring that he, you know, when they come out with these uh, rankings that he should be the number one receiver. The fact of the matter is early in the season, he was just getting fed the rock because we, we didn't want to just continually go to Kamara, uh, and and overuse him and wear him out early in the season. We the Saints uh, we lost Ted Ginn Jr. 
Uh, he's on IR. He could return later in the season, but that's irrelevant for this game. Then the next guy is a rookie, Traquan Smith, and he's he's played pretty well. A lot of potential, a lot of upside, but not a guy that you would uh, that you would be overly concerned about. If he has a huge game, it would be more of a surprise than it would be, and not because he's not talented, just because he hasn't done it yet. So I don't believe that there's anybody who's going to pop up and surprise you, because again, you go to tight end. Benjamin Watson, I don't think anybody would be surprised by him. You know, old Uncle Ben has been around for a long time. If the Saints are going to win, it's going to be because our offensive line is probably – and, you know, when I remember I was talking about how the Saints have an advantage over the Rams looking for it in certain places. I look at the Saints' offensive line. I, I would consider them – you know, it's arbitrary to say they're number one or number three or whatever, but the Saints' offensive line has been amazing. Having said that, your guys, uh, the Rams' offensive line – is, is right on par with that. So, uh, you know, I just don't know where some surprises would be. It's going to have to be just your steady, productive Drew Brees being consistent, um, not making mistakes, Kamara making plays in the passing game. And then, you know, if you want to talk about an X factor, we already talked about him, Taysom Hill. Uh, you know, what will the Saints – because here's the thing. Coach Payton loves his toys. And Taysom Hill started off the season where he got a couple of touches and – and, and I always felt like, well, he didn't make any mistakes, so that's going to give Coach Payton the leeway to do a little bit more. Now we're six, seven games into the season, and, and aside from a bad pitch a couple of games ago, he hasn't made any mistakes, and everything has been very positive. So now it wouldn't surprise me if you guys see some things that you haven't seen all season from Taysom Hill. And I say you, nobody's seen from Taysom Hill. He might be the guy that could potentially be the X factor. Hey, Steve, why don't you go ahead and do our first sponsor for us? I can do that because as are most Rams fans, I'm pretty much addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you're like me and you want to check out something else to learn more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch, you could check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It's a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about legends in this book like Crazy Legs Hirsch, Norm Van Brocklin, Les Richter, and Tom Fears in a story that spans the 1950s LA Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com, and you can find him on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood Team through various other booksellers on the internet. Guys, I know Norm has read this book from cover to cover. It's worth every penny if you're an L.A. Rams fan out there. There's also just a great story about a person's father and a legacy he left behind. Get me, Trust me, guys, you're not going to regret checking this out. It's Hollywood Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Well, if, if people that know me, I, I've read maybe four or five books all the way through in my lifetime. I'll read three quarters of a book and then I can't finish it because I just don't have the patience. This one I finished. It's a, it's a really good book and you should check it out. So David, we're going to throw a couple more questions at you and then we'll let you go. Uh, I know your time is important. Huh? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so we, we saw an interesting, uh, an interesting stat uh, just before the podcast and what it was was how many how what's the, Steve? What was it? The percentage of times somebody's getting double team? Yeah, 
uh, I don't know how they recorded this, but the stat we saw from you know, a credible source was that Aaron Donald, who's leading the league in sacks with 10, has been double teamed on 70% of, I'm assuming, his pass <laughs> rushes, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And you could just throw that in anyone's face that says he's not worth the money he got paid, I guess. Right. So so the reason I brought that up is not to throw you know Aaron Donald in your face. But... Not to brag. <laughs> but but you got Donald, you got Sue, you got Brockers. You know, I, I don't know that Breeze has seen this kind of pass rush this year. I mean, he has a little bit, but how, how's he going to handle that rush against the Rams? Do you think? And and do you think that as good as the New Orleans Saints offensive line is, double teaming and all, do you do you really think that they're going to be able to keep Breeze protected and and upright? All right, so right off the bat, I talked a little bit earlier about the uh, offensive line, the Saints' offensive line. Right now, I would argue the Saints' off, uh, two offensive tackles, Teron Armstead, uh, who, who's always been an outstanding offensive tackle, left tackle. He's just been injured most of his career. It's just he's super athletic, and he's a quick twitch guy, and just those guys don't hold up like the thick ankle guys do. On the other side, we have last year's first-round draft pick, Ram Ram, uh, Ryan Ramchek, who is a thick ankle guy. So they kind of do things a little bit differently, but both very effective. In the middle, Larry Warford, uh, you know, Andres Pete, uh, another first-round draft pick, Max Unger. Having said that, I don't think any one of them, uh, I think you, you know, Aaron Donald's going to see another 70-percenter against New Orleans. One of the advantages of the Saints, not only do they have an outstanding offensive line, is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is, is the master of getting the ball out quick. I've heard people, including Saints fans, talk about his arm strength. And the thing is, the guy has never had a cannon for the for, uh, of an arm. But what he does is he gets the ball out so quickly, and his timing and accuracy is where he makes a living. So sometimes you can have a guy that beats his man right off the jump and just still can't get there in time. So one of the things that, uh, while I do worry about the pass rush, it's mitigated by the fact that Drew Brees gets rid of the ball so quickly in his pocket awareness. So you take an, a great offensive line, you take a uh, an outstanding quarterback that has great pockets, pocket awareness and ability to get rid of the ball quick, and I think that you know it kind of offsets the great pass rush. Now, having said that, you know your guy Donald gets in there so quick that he would be a guy that could be extremely disruptive to the Saints' offense because of the fact that. He can get there quicker than Drew Brees can get the ball out if if he's not effectively blocked. Yeah, he is uh, absolutely one of the most dangerous players in the NFL. And the the advantage we have is that you know we bring in a guy like Ndamukong and Sue to play next to him. We already have Michael Brockers, who in his own right is a very solid, you know, second best defensive tackle on the line. He's going to be the third best now. Then you know, recently we had. Dante Fowler this week, just another edge rusher to. I saw that. Yeah, shore up, you know, because edge rush has definitely been our weakest position on the defense. Outside linebackers, they're not too bad, but they they probably wouldn't start on a lot of other teams. Now maybe a couple, but to bring in a guy like Fowler, who he's you know, he's got kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit there, despite you know he's he's been pretty successful, um, all things considered. And I think to bring in a guy like that, it's definitely definitely going to be a huge benefit to this defense. Well, you just mentioned, and maybe I'll, I'll, I'll turn the tables on you. Uh, tell me about your linebackers and how you how effective you think they will be in covering a guy who's an outstanding running back and an outstanding receiver out of the backfield and including lining up as a receiver in Alvin Kamara. Steve, go ahead. I'll, I'll follow you up. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be a struggle. I mean, the advantage that we have is Mark Barron, who's one of our two inside linebackers, and um, missed a couple weeks, but he's finally back. He, he made a big play for us last week. Basically, got a safety by himself against the Packers. I would assume that it'll be between him and maybe the safeties to guard Kamara. I I, I don't know if we'll see a ton of Nickel Roby Coleman on him. I, I'm to be honest, I'm not, I don't particularly remember who was on him last year. Whoever was, they did a horrible job. <laughs> but um, so I would hope it would be somebody new. But well, they're I, probably glad you don't remember their name either. No, yeah. <laughs> I think you know what upsets me here is that. Going into last week, Marcus Peters, our, our number one corner, he had a really good week, and we were like, you know, maybe if he can show up against Devontae Adams in Green Bay and kind of have another great performance, we don't really have to worry about it anymore. And he got torched by Adams. And so now, in addition to having to worry about Kamara, we have to worry about Michael Thomas kind of cooking Marcus Peters. It would have been nice to not have that worry because, you know, the game plan last year, Kamara kind of had his way. And nobody else did much of anything. You know, we kind of contained every other part of the defense. And I would, I like, I said on my show, I, you know, I think Barron, he'll, he'll hold his own a little bit. Our other linebacker, Corey Littleton, I, I, I can't imagine he plays too much defense on Kamara. I don't think that that would suit him very well. I think Barron will get the most of the work. And <laughs> honestly, I, I don't feel great about anyone guarding him. I think, I think this is going to be a big day for Kamara. But I think as we did last year, we can outlast that. I'm more concerned. Like last year we had Ogletree in there and, and, you know, Ogletree, as much as he had quickness from sideline to sideline, he wasn't a great tackler. And in this case, we've got Littleton now. And I think he's probably one of our X factors that you wouldn't expect because he's been playing excellent, not only, you know, in tackling and going sideline to sideline, but rushing the quarterback, you know, special teams blocking punts. But he's done a great job in coverage this year. Now, that's mostly against the tight end and not against the running backs. But he does have a lot of speed at the linebacker position. So I think he he will probably do a pretty good job on the short passes against Kamara. But, you know, if he does a wheel route or anything longer than that, it's definitely going to have to be Mark Barron. I, I have a feeling that uh, Thomas is going to see a double team against the Rams. And they haven't done much of that this year. But I just don't see your your other wide receiver is being a big enough threat that I think we can cover him one-on-one and I think we can put a safety on Thomas. And I think you might see that. And we haven't really done much of that this year. So that might be a risky move on our part. But as far as our middle linebackers go, I, I think the one thing that you can count on them for is speed and Mark Barron, he can put the hit on. So it's going to be interesting. And I, I'm not sure exactly if anybody can cover Kamara, but I'm hoping that the duo of those two can. Hopefully we can hold our own in there. I kind of want to propose a question to both both of you guys because, you know, it's rare, and it'll be rare for the rest of the season, that we, you know, we, we're, I think we can both agree that we are the top two teams in the NFC and the teams that we would most not want to see in the playoffs. But take us out of the equation uh, for Norm and David here. Which one of the teams in the NFC would you least want to face come january in the playoffs Hmm, go ahead norm well i would say carolina right now at this point of the season i would say carolina because they're on a roll and this is not what david wants to hear but uh if they continue to play the way they are and you know cam newton's been stepping it up their receivers are playing well their defense is playing well 
at, at this point in the season, I'd have to say Carolina. Well, okay. I'm, I had to, I, what's funny is that going into the season, I thought I can name off a, a half dozen teams and I had to quickly pick up my phone and look through the standings and, and, and I, I mean, I have to agree with you. I mean, at this point, <clears throat> we just played the Vikings. Now, having said that, the Vikings were pretty banged up. So whether or not they get those guys back, they had several guys in the offensive line out. They had their middle linebacker out. Uh, Xavier Rhodes was out. I think that if they get healthy, the Vikings are a team, and, I, and they're, they're even behind the Bears. But I, I just don't have the Bears just – we're too early in the season to be thinking the Bears are going to continue this. You go into the NFC East, and maybe the Eagles start picking it up. But at this point, uh, they, 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 they look like they have that Super Bowl hangover. So I would have to say that between the Panthers and perhaps a, um, a healthier Vikings team, that's the only other two teams that I see in the division that are, are, are I don't know, scary. Is that the right word to use? Uh, you would be a little worried to see them. Um, especially if, if either one of our teams, although I wouldn't think, I don't think, and I don't mean this to be rude, but that your offense, that your, uh, home field advantage is very strong right now. Um, it's not New Orleans, rude. very, very strong home field advantage. So if, if I'm seeing any of those teams in new Orleans, I feel pretty good about it. Well, that's okay. Cause we're 12 and one on the road under McVay. So, <laughs> right. I'm not really concerned about home field advantage so much. And, and I'm really, other than the fact of, you know, the nostalgia and, and of course, the, the volume level. I'm not really that concerned about going to New Orleans and playing there because I really think our team is built to travel well. It's just that I believe that the Super Bowl through the NFC is going to go through the Rams or, or the Saints. I've felt I, that I'd way since, since the very beginning of the year. And I think this is going to be a good test for both of our teams. And I think it's definitely going to be a preview of who's going to, you know, who's going to be in the championship game. I don't think... Carolina can sustain it. They haven't proven much that they can. And I don't think Minnesota is the team that they were last year. And you're right, they haven't been healthy, and I don't know that they're going to get healthy enough. The Eagles, I think, have dug themselves in too deep a hole that they'd have to play all the way through the wild card to make it, and that might be tough for them. I don't. I told told my crew at the beginning of the season that I thought the Eagles are going to take a step back this year, and, and they have, and, and I just don't think they're the same team. So... Honestly, I think you're dealing with either the Saints or the Rams in the Super Bowl. And, you know, honestly, out of the NFC, if I had to pick another team to go represent us, I, I like New Orleans. I've always liked the Saints. And it wouldn't hurt my feelings if it can't be the Rams. That's who I'd want to see. Hey, I like your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> I, I think with the Eagles, I think one of the main reasons that you know, I they've definitely been slow but I think they'll get it together a little bit come playoffs. I think we'll see them in the playoffs. But the loss of Ajayi, who, you know, he's he's got his issues, but I just don't see them having a competent running game in the playoffs. And with the way Carson Wentz has been playing, which is, you know, not that bad, but not 2017 not Carson Wentz. what he was Wentz. doing last year. Yeah, exactly. They don't really frighten me in the playoffs. I think I'm with you that the two best teams are Minnesota and Carolina. I know you guys lean towards Carolina a lot. I'd probably give Minnesota a slight edge there. I think with Chicago, even if they, you know, play well down the stretch and maybe finish like 10 and 6, 11 and 5, I think it'll be similar to what you saw from us in the playoffs last year where, you know, they're they're young. 
uh, it, it'll be tough for them to really make a run against, you know, if they match up with Carolina, for say, in the first round. I don't see them getting out of that game. But I'll tell you the team I don't want to see, and we've already played them, and we played them last week. Uh, I don't want to see what Aaron Rodgers would have done if he got the ball with two minutes left against us. And I know they're definitely worse than these teams, but I just I don't want to see that again. I, I just hope we don't see Green Bay for the rest of the year, even though they're definitely not better than these teams. Just keep number 12 Agreed. as far away from me as possible. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, on that note, let's uh, wrap it up with predictions. David, you're our guest, so what are you calling the game? Well, I'm a homer, so I'm going to go with, uh, let's see, I, I I didn't have a number on the top of my head, but I'm going to go 34-31 New Orleans. All right. Steve? I, I'm trying to fig- remember what I predicted on our podcast. I think I said something along the lines of uh, 42-39 to Rams. I think it'll definitely be a shootout, and I think you know, I'm confident that we will come out on top, but not as confident as I've been in every other game this season. It's going to be a a very close game. Well, like I said, early in the season, I predicted the Rams to go 15 and one and the one loss being to new Orleans. Having said that, (laughs) I only said that because if they were going to lose a game, I thought that would be the game. So the Rams have been proven to me that they can win close ones. And that's something that they haven't been real good at at the past. So I, I'm going to say that it's going to be a record game for the year and it's going to be, 44 41 Rams. Wow. Pick Ooh. the over. I'm picking the over. <laughs> All right. Well, David, thanks for, so much for coming on. And, you know, hopefully we can do this again come playoff time. Absolutely, man. You just let me know and I'll come back and we'll have some more Saints Ram talk. I appreciate you guys. Hey, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you being here. All thanks, right, David. Steve. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and knock out our longtime sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. Sal's been around forever, and he's just been so great to us, and we very much appreciate him. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that old-school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. But also, Sal provides that old-school barbershop experience, talking Rams football and any football at all, because we saw Minnesota Vikings fans there, all kinds of people there when we got our hair cut there. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. Sal even managed to make me look pretty good, and amazingly enough, he made Derek look actually somewhat normal. All right, Steve, <clears throat> any final thoughts on uh, on this matchup? I, you know, I've done two previews of this game, so I think I'm good. But I do, I will say on both shows, uh, Kamara frightens me, man. I, I don't think we defend players like him very well. The good news is that there's not that many players like him, and I think you know the Carolina scares me a little if we see them in the playoffs because McCaffrey's a little similar, kind of just those shifty backs. But yeah, man, I, I don't know how we're gonna stop this dude, and I wish we didn't have to worry about. Michael Thomas as well. I wish Marcus Peters made me feel better about that. 
but he didn't. So I mean, I'm I'm a little frightened by this matchup from a defensive perspective, but I think the offense will carry us to victory enough in this game. I think even without uh, the impact of a huge running performance, which they might not have given New Orleans' defense, I, I think the offense can be just fine. And I, you know, I think that's why ultimately we'll come out on top. Well, I looked at a couple different things. You know, you look at position by position, you know, for each team. And I honestly think that the Rams are a better team when you look at each individual position. You know, each team has some that are better and some that aren't. But I think overall the Rams have the advantage in that department. That doesn't mean that they're going to win the game because of it because, you know, you've always got Drew Brees back there and that guy's got – you know, I, I think he's taken like fountain of youth syrup or something because he just keeps playing and playing and showing us how great he is. So there's always that X factor. But if the Rams offense can click and have him cut back, I think if, if he makes it is going to be a huge difference maker for for Jared Goff and his confidence. And if they can get rolling and just keep keep pounding it and keep pounding it, I, I really don't think that. I think our defense will make enough plays that they can't keep up with our offense in the long run. But who knows? This game's so close, it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, uh, I feel like you haven't done a show since the trade deadline, right? How do you feel about the move? You know, I think it's a good move for what they gave up. You know, honestly, Fowler, I think he's got all the potential in the world. I just don't think he's had the opportunity with, you know, with injuries and, and who he was playing with. To, to really have that time to shine. Uh, looking at Ibu Cam and Longacre, I, I certainly I think that's an upgrade. And to, you know, to give up a compensatory pick next year and, a, and what was it, like a fifth rounder the year after that, I mean, for the price, yep. you, you can't really complain. His contract's up at the end of this year. So basically it's like if you want to play for us, come play hard and – if you do well enough, we'll sign you again next year, or this is your resume for somebody else to sign you next year to get get that big check. So I think ultimately it was a pretty good move, and I don't know that we'll see much of him against the Saints, uh, but I do think that Wade Phillips will be able to say, look, when I put you in there, your job is one thing. Pin your ears back and get to Drew Brees. And it, you know, if you do that, you don't really need a whole lot of practice time. So we might see more of him than you think, but I certainly think it was a good move. Yeah, for that reason, I think we probably will see him uh, quite a bit in this game, just in you know third down passing situations, just because I think you know he hasn't put it totally together yet, but he's definitely a better pass rusher than Ibukam and Longacre, and I think we don't really see him in early down situations this week, but I bet we see a good amount of him uh, in the pass rush, and ultimately, I feel like he could take the starting job here. I, I was, though, you know, me and Johnny talked about it. We are a little confused as to why, you know, of all the guys he could cut, they, they chose Jamon Brown, a guy who started every game for us last year, and now we're down to seven linemen, two of them being centers. Yeah, I, I listened to your podcast, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I, I tend to agree that there, there's got to be something going on there that we don't know about. Uh, the suspension, I'm sure, disappointed them, but I wouldn't expect if that's the only issue that they would get rid of him just because of that. So there's got to be something else going on, whether they think he's going to get suspended again for it or whether, 
you know, who knows? Maybe after the suspension, he came back and there's somebody else playing his spot and he didn't like it. And maybe he complained a little bit. I'm not sure. And I don't really want to speculate too much, but it does worry me a little bit on the depth. And, and now I saw today that Jamon Brown's going to the Giants. Oh, so, wow. That's yeah. That'll probably yeah, help them a lot, to be honest. I, I'm certainly not going to hurt them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, congrats to him for finding another team after getting cut so quickly. Uh, you know, maybe he'll be part of the rebuild in, you know, in New York. But uh, I know Note Booms played really well. And, you know, I really hope that I, they've got to have an idea for depth there. So I wouldn't think that it's too big of a deal, but I really did like Jamon Brown. I thought he was a solid player for us and, you know, I will miss him. Uh, but I'm sure, you know, if they let him go, they feel like they're going to be good enough. Yeah. Saffold and note boom are, I think kind of flexible players. And if somebody goes down, you know, if, you know, knock on wood, I hope no one goes down, but we could probably move if we had to Saffold to tackle or, Note boom at tackle or, you know, whatever we have to do. I think they, those two guys can be flexible about this. Well, and kudos to Austin Blythe, you know, for taking the position and keeping it. And now he's the staple starter for us. So, yeah, you know, kudos to him. Good for him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about our numbers have been, we've been hitting record numbers in our, in our listenership. And for that, I want to say thank you to, to everybody who listens to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, the other thing is sponsorship. You know, we, we spend our time doing this. It costs money and we appreciate the sponsors that we have very much. They've been very loyal and and we do everything we can to partner well with them. We are looking for more sponsors this year. Uh, like I said, our numbers are growing really crazy right now and the better they go, the more expensive it gets. So now's a good time to get in. If you're interested in sponsoring us, reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453, and we'll get a media kit out to you right away, and we'd love to work with you. Amen. Hey, before we close, can I ask you a hypothetical question here? And you don't sure. really like to prepare for this because it's definitely a gut-feeling answer. Let's say that the Rams are 15-0, and 0, and Week 17 doesn't matter. Who do you want to start at quarterback? <laughs> I like I was thinking about this the other day because there's a chance we go into week 15, 16 14 and 0 and the game doesn't matter and you know it's it's the thought process of do you go the the Jim Caldwell route where you just blow all your momentum on a loss or do you, you do you go for it because me personally I think you go for it I think you have to go for it I I think you have to play your starters at least a half I in order to keep them in game mode and, and fresh and, you know, lessen the chance of injury a little bit. And I, I would say come out the first half player starters, just like you would in preseason, just to keep them going and keep them, keep them, you know, in, in the feeling, so to speak. And uh, then bring in your backup after that, you know, and then Sean Mannion come in and, and impress you. Cause I know how much you like him. So, yeah. But what if the game's close at halftime? You know I mean, cause I think that's what Indianapolis did that year. And then, you know, the Jets starters just tore them apart. Well, it's it's really going to depend on how we're sitting, you know, and if we're if we're like you said, fourteen and zero, and we've got you know a one or two game lead on the Saints, uh, I'm probably going to see your starters sit. Yeah, I don't like that. I because if, if we if we win the head to head matchup with the Saints, 
And then we got a two game lead going into week four, you know, week 15 or 16 where we're 14 and oh, if that happens. Yeah, I really think you're, you're going to see the starter sick because that seems to be what McVay's MO is. And that scares me because then you're going to have, you know, your your sit week because you're sitting at number one seed. That could be potentially three weeks off, which yeah. is great, great for healthiness, but it really takes away the, you know, the 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 live game experience. And I, I really I worry about that. If they're undefeated, I want them to go for it. I know it's a risk. Uh, it comes with its risks, but I think it's a risk worth taking, in my opinion. But I get, I understand the logic, and I think you're right. McVay has been conservative in that regard, but he's also been a guy known to trust players, as we saw with that fourth, fourth and one uh, QB sneak a couple weeks back. Well, I really hope we have this problem. Because being fourteen and zero would throw me to death, and I'd love to see him go all the way through the season undefeated. But uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with McVeigh and the one game at a time thing. We got to get through the Saints first, and that's going to be, in my opinion, one of the if if not the hardest, the second hardest matchup for us this season. And uh, you know, we just got to stay healthy. We got to make it to the bye. Hopefully, we can win all the games until then. But hopefully, not drop more than one. And, uh, you know, get our guys healthy so that the last stretch of the season, we've got all our starters out there getting them, you know, in game shape and ready to go. All right. Well, Steve, thanks very much for joining and filling in for our injured reserve, Derek. And uh, hopefully he gets better. Happy Halloween to everybody. And uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Also, you can find me at Norm Hightower on Twitter and Steve Ribeiro at Steve Ribeiro. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, and iebradio.com. Again, thanks for supporting us and all the crazy numbers we're getting right now. We're breaking records, and you know we appreciate you very much. For Steve Ribeiro, this is Norm Hightower. Adios. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.